Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me, my beautiful family, Uncle Kevin and Emily Hollerbach. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. This is Highway Diary episode 324, a Thanksgiving sibling debate. You know, we have different debates. You know, sometimes we call each other, we disagree about stuff. You know, I'm always at a disadvantage talking to my brother, Kevin, because he has a science degree and uh, I have a screenwriting degree. We graduated the exact same week with master's degree. (laughs) And I'm much older than him. I'm, you know what I mean? So I don't have to get into numbers there, but he's like super smart and I'm almost a complete stupid person. So, um, but Uncle Kevin, please explain to me why my ideas about the vaccine issue you're more scared you guys are more scared of the virus i'm more scared of the vaccine why is the virus super scary uncle kevin uh well it's killed almost 800,000 americans um which is a 1.5 percent death rate for those that have caught covid um and i just got my booster shot yesterday so i've had three doses of vaccine and i feel totally fine so uh, compared to the you know 1.5% possibility of death, I think that uh, you know the vaccine is not uh, not that scary comparatively. Um, there's actually no confirmed deaths from the COVID vaccine either. So there's probably there's some anecdotal evidence. I know there's some people that you know potentially have you know or it was a compounded you know factor on top of other things that led them to to die. But that's you know at this time at least that's anecdotal. Whereas, you know, at least, you know, you can, I guess, debate the death, uh, the COVID deaths, you know, whether they're overestimating or underestimating that. But like, even if you take, even if you split that in half, let's say it's 350,000 Americans that have died from it, (laughs) that's still a shitload of people. (laughs) And, uh, you know, yeah. But I'm not really, I'm kind of unclear on what you, uh, what the hesitancy with the vaccine is for you. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I've heard multiple different things that it's sponsored by Bill Gates or that, uh, you know, it's dangerous or that it's uh, a global cabal, some kind of population control. <laughs> so I'm curious about what what's the latest. Uh... Are you worried that you won't be able to reproduce? Mm. Because... Uh- Nobody wants it. I've, I've asked, <laughs> you know, who wants all this like man gravy, you know, it's dripping off me constantly. It's not getting a big response. You know what I mean? I'll be honest with you. So, um, <laughs> but I, I will say this. Um, it seems to me that humanity is in the balance between two Germans. Like there's Klaus Schwab on one side and there's another guy called Dr. Reiner Fulmich. And this is the majority of the debate I've been watching, right? So Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, he wrote a book called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. Um, So that seems like, to me, a problem reaction solution. Now, yeah, I have my degree in screenwriting, but I look at the story of things. And when I look at something as um, demonstration, something that was so monumental in our lives like 9-11 and we were never told the government truth about this because they were always covering their own ass about other issues so then when they want to inject us with something i want them to be clear about their past lives 
And so when I don't see people, for example, publicly beheaded for the lie that the reason we got into Iraq and Afghanistan and killed all these people for these wars, it was 9-11 when we all kind of understand that architects and engineers for 9-11 truth kind of exposed what actually happened there. It was more of a control. Yeah, thing. but that's a separate issue there. I know, like, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is we have not, in the Southern District of New York, there has been multiple lawsuits uh, with Richard Gage that have gotten nowhere. So what I see there is kind of an impasse where humanity is trying to reconcile some of these crimes. And then when I see nobody go to jail for that and the same people are in power and then the DNC. Okay. So I know these are separate issues. I just want to talk same about people like, are not in power. A, a little history. Like, uh, you know, in 2016, I think Bernie Sanders would have killed uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump in a debate, like a debate, everything. He has all this integrity, but they smashed the DNC smashed Donald Trump uh, or Bernie Sanders, they propped up Hillary. So then who got in power? Like the DNC is kind of uh, doing some sort of malfeasance within their own thing. So I just look at the power structure. Who's running us? Would I inject something from something with so many lies attached to it? That's my big yeah. The DNC though? You were injected as a baby. Yeah, okay. I, I actually took the liberty of looking up Eric's vaccination records. <laughs> So uh, let me just go through this real quick. Sure. Uh, measles, mumps, rubella. Okay, that's okay. a virus. You had two doses of that. Uh, polio, <laughs> that's another virus. You had three doses of that. Wait, how did you get this? This is the required vaccinations in New Jersey for New Jersey public school. Uh, um, varicella, which is chicken pox. You had one dose of that. That's also a virus. Hepatitis They didn't B. have that vaccine when we were kids. That chicken pox? No. Oh, really? We didn't no, I got one. that from either Jeff Reeds or Brett the Rose. Oh, wow. In yeah. a chicken box. You got it in a natural way. Oh, damn. You're much younger than us. So I, did. I never probably... had chicken pox, so that, I guess that worked out for mm-hmm. me. Yep. What about hepatitis it wasn't that B? bad. I probably um, got that. On yeah, we street. probably got that one. Okay, there's three. That's also a yeah. virus. They had three doses of that. There's also yep. Tdap, tetanus, diphtheria, acellular pertussis. Uh, that was one dose. That is yes. that's a bacterial infection. Yeah. And then there's meningitis, which is also a bacterial infection. You got we one only dose got of that, that in college. We didn't have to get that in. Uh, and now there's also diabetes. HPV, which I don't know if either of you got that. I got. No. I got three doses of that I as well. And now the new school and UNO are both going to require uh, COVID vaccines starting in the spring semester. So I can tell you this about UNO: it's a ghost town. When I went in October of uh, this year. It was a ghost town. It used to be every lane was filled with swimmers in the Olympic pool. You couldn't even get a lane unless you like got there early. And now it's gone. So I wonder about the long-term damage of closures of schools like this. Some of it's online. I, I don't know about you guys. I like in real person learning. I just feel like it's more advantageous. Yeah. Um, UMass is fully reopened because they've required vaccinations since the fall and they haven't, um, you know, they haven't had to close down or do anything like that again. So I think like one argument for vaccinations is if you want to, if you want things to return to normal, you know, to go fully back to the way things were, then, you know, vaccinations is a good way to do it. It's not foolproof, obviously, but it's, you know, a step in the right direction. 
like uh, Thanksgiving, for example. So speaking of Thanksgiving, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. I was a German exchange student. One of the guys I met was a guy called Klaus Schwab Jr., you know? And he, no, <laughs> it's kind of an abusive relationship, if I'm honest, but he did. Oh, speak, we know that you were a German exchange student because the um, German exchange student came to our house. But, so what <laughs> I will say, know who that is. so Klaus Schwab Jr. has an Instagram, just like ACBD Remedy, Klaus Schwab Jr.'s Instagram also sponsors a program. So I have to, at certain points put in just like ads. So um, this is what Klaus Schwab Jr. said about Thanksgiving. Hello, my slaves of Instagram. This is your favorite religion, Klaus Schwab Jr. It is Thanksgivings now. And it is time to give Thanksgivings to the Native Americans. You see, they let the white settlers move to much food on them. So they got a lot of calories in the belly. Once they got this strength, to go back and exterminate the Native Americans. So thank you, Native Americans, for feeding us in this thing. When then the bankers could go in and set up banking centers and charge interest to the settlers and then charge taxes to the interest of the settler peasants. Then we could give them propaganda that they, we make them pay for. It is great for us. And now we are getting ready to exterminate them. Thank you for your participation in your own extermination. Thank you for the You know, I don't like, he really signs off crudely often, but sustainability, that's an interesting word. Wait, wait, let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Um, do you think that the, in, that the Native Americans would have died if they had a smallpox vaccine? Mm. Um, I, you How know, did they get smallpox? <laughs> one of the ways that they killed the Native Americans was going on trains in the rail system and murdering the buffalo with machine guns. So do I think without the smallpox vaccine, they would have been exterminated? Yes, they were cutting out their food supply as well. You're talking about different eras. They didn't have machine guns when they <laughs> first came over. <laughs> I think what, what I'm saying is they built railroad tracks eventually and shot Buffalo from machine guns. What I'm saying eventually is that- They're different people. Okay, but I'm saying- Different areas and time and different- Yeah, the white people were gaining of function this territory. They were gaining of function this territory. That's my overall point. But do you think that the people who got smallpox would have died if they had a smallpox vaccine? I'm almost legally retarded. I cannot answer that question. <laughs> yes, you can. You just refuse to. I don't know. I don't know. The problem is it's always a moving target, viruses. There's a new novel seasonal flu every year. Would they? Well, the flu, yeah. Everything's a moving target. Um, one thing that's interesting is um, the Pfizer CEO spoke of the coronavirus vaccine. Pfizer CEO spoke of the coronavirus vaccine. This was in 2020, but it's interesting. There's all the detail. I'm not working in the front line. So my guy is not recommended to get vaccination. So he's 59 years old. He's not working in the front line. For his type of scenario, 
it's not recommended to get a vaccination. You're taking that out of context. What was the date of that? You said 2020, but was that in like the first couple of weeks of the yeah, vaccine release? Before the vaccine was even out. Because at that time, they didn't want regular people getting the vaccine because they were prioritizing healthcare workers. So you taking that out of context of the situation was that it was because he wasn't a priority at that time because healthcare workers were a priority because doctors were dying because they were catching COVID from their patients. All right, that's an interesting, you know, it was early. It was early days, things changed. That was why, because if he jumped the line, he would have also gotten criticized for that. Um, Bill Gates did a TED talk. <laughs> Wait, can you Transition. just next, next clip, throw, what? Up. throw up the next clip. Okay, <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's just roll respond. through them. <laughs> respond, yeah, things changed, yes. That's why I was saying about the virus, you were asking me would the smallpox vaccine uh, have saved the Indians? And my answer was no, because the white settlers were very clear on killing the Indians. And no, also viruses are different. Of small, I'm not saying like how determined were white people to kill the Native Americans. <laughs> we can all and like, would they, would they, you know, have just gave up after, you know, <laughs> They had a vaccine that saved them from their smallpox <laughs> attempt. At, at they only stopped when they got casinos, then they stopped. They got casinos and they're like, they, they pushed back a bit. I was saying like, okay, do you believe in the bubonic plague? Like, do you just not believe that plagues and pandemics exist at all? Like, why do you not believe in this one, but you believe that others in history happened? There's also like environmental advances, you know? So like when they started en masse burning coal, I wonder if some of the pneumonia patients were like coal inhalation. So like, as there's like different industrial, I'm just saying as there's different industrial advances. That's black lung. Mm -hmm. They know what that is. Not always, not always at first. I mean, you know, there could be something novel like 5G towers go everywhere and then it, it manifests all these symptoms that uh, they attribute to different causes because those are the causes that have good insurance. You know, I'm just saying like, I always think that it could be environmental or it could be viral. I mean, you know, and also corporations that benefit are always the ones that come out and say, oh, acid rain doesn't exist, or we didn't actually radiate people, or there's no depleted uranium. I think like what, what I'm saying is, my, my main thing here is, it could be environmental and it could be virology. And I think that's up to the debate, but the PCR test- I'm asking was, you a direct question. Do you okay. believe the bubonic plague happened? I've read about it in books. I don't know first-hand knowledge about the bubonic plague. Obviously, nobody has first-hand knowledge because it doesn't exist anymore. Well, right. History is written by the winners. I'm a writer. Do you believe polio existed? Could be an environmental, you know, maybe a chemical factory started making lead somewhere. You know, I don't know. I really don't know about this. It's like when they isolate a virus and they have, they can like show you a microscopic image of a virus do you you think that that's made up an electron microscope yeah or a dna sequencing for example <laughs> um 
this is out of my fields of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the point. That's yeah. why you're supposed to, uh, you know, the take the recommendation of medical and science pro professionals. Well, when I look at who funds the WHO, and when I look at who funds the CDC, um, a name keeps coming in a revolving door in, in multiple organizations, and it's Bill Gates. And when he makes... Can I can I uh, make this yeah, taxpayers? <laughs> can I, so Gate, Bill Gates said something very creepy. He also flew on Jeffrey Epstein's island uh, out of Teterboro, and, and I cannot forgive this. And when he has a TED talk and he says creepy shit, I have to examine it, especially if he's the main funder of the CDC. So that's no, what I look. Really not? No, he's not. The, the WHO, the CDC, this is he funds these organizations. The WHO is a completely separate thing from the CDC, but the CDC is taxpayer funded. Okay. WHO, Bill Gates, we agree on this. Flew to Epstein's Island, we agree on this. He said this in a TED Talk. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. 10 or 15% if we do a really good job with vaccines, reproductive health care, we can lower population by 10 or 15%. So you're talking about a guy who like talks to the public nonstop and everything is recorded. Like I think like how much how many times have you made a slip of the tongue like he also does a ton of education in poor areas about reproductive health and that is i think what he's talking about to lower population he's not purposely talking about vaccines lowering population like to have like a slip up like that one time and then to construct this entire conspiracy theory around like i say weird ass shit all the time accidentally <laughs> i just think that it's really ridiculous to like really like blow that out of proportion obviously he didn't mean that okay well Little fact about Bill Gates. He didn't, he had a full ride to Harvard. He never graduated. He went to the first semester, two semesters, and he goes, These people are telling me what to do, mom. So he quit. He had full ride quit. Okay. So they eventually, his mom goes, He's a company and he's extremely successful. Okay. Let me just talk about a little before that. So then his mom was like, well, He's not on. a whiny teenager. He's a very he successful entrepreneur. He was at one point. I disagree. Okay. He what he wasn't a whiny teenager at one point ever. He wasn't being uh, a sullen, um, cranky teen when to drop out of college just because he didn't want to listen to what the professor said. He had an idea and he decided that dropping out of college to follow his dream of creating the personal computer was more important. Because at school, they couldn't teach him what he wanted to actually execute in real life. So I respect that. That's Why are you diminishing his accomplishment? 
because what happened was he was going, man, I don't like 10 people telling me what to do. So they pushed him off his couch. I'm just telling you, and I know this. Listen, listen up. This is history. Continue. They pushed him off his couch and his mom goes, why don't you, why don't you knock on Melinda Watson's door? Oh. Melinda Watson. You know, she's kind of cute. You know, she's a do about town in the neighborhood. And he was like, oh, I don't want to. And they go, put it right, right. So who's Melinda Watson? Melinda Watson, IBM Watson. Her family created the IBM software that counted Jew deaths. So Jews would get tattoos in Auschwitz. And then the IBM was the first fucking computer ever. And what it would do is it would count the tattoo and go, you go to building five to make shoes. You go to building six to make tanks. You go to building seven or you're exterminated. The first computing program ever came out of IBM. And that is how they started. These right, are facts. Ask you something, Eric. How many Hollerbachs <laughs> died in 1945 <laughs> and are in graveyards in Germany? Like our uncle went to Germany, went to the town where Hollerbachs came from and saw a shit ton of Hollerbachs in the graveyard. Obviously they were all Nazis and died during the war. Does that mean that you're evil? Does that mean that we're evil because of what our ancestors did? No, there's two Germans right now fighting for world supremacy. They're Klaus that doesn't mean You're Reiner talking Klaus. about Melinda. Melinda. Yeah. I'm not gonna hold anything against her what her ancestors did. But it was the structure of the company that I'm talking about. The intact structure. So in Seattle, where Bill Gates was, there was a local hardware store. And he was, uh, the local hardware guy actually programmed something. Bill Gates can't really program because he went to two semesters of college. So he took, but he knew enough from almost listening once to a professor ever to steal this hardware store software sell it to Melinda Watson, create a dynasty called Windows. Also, the CIA was involved. I don't want to talk too much about that. But what I will say is this. That's how it started. He didn't program shit. He stole Linux and from the hardware store, and he gave it to IBM. So if you're like, oh, he's a brilliant, you know, he's so brilliant. He was still a software engineer. That's all nonsense. He was lazy, dropped out after two semesters. And then knocked on some broad's door, stole software from a hardware store, stole software from Linux, and now he wants to depopulate everybody. He comes from a eugenics family. So wait, let me wait, let me ask you something. Do you right. truly believe that somebody can get into Harvard who is lazy? He probably tried super hard in high school and then got burnt out or got, you know. People, they move into a different place and now you have to do your own laundry. Now you have do you to think get your you've own. ever worked hard enough in your entire life as somebody who gets into Harvard had to work in high school? <laughs> you know, it's like a moving target with virology and viruses. Probably not. I did okay on my SATs, I will say this. I'm like a 1250. That's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably couldn't have got in there. No, you couldn't. But then what if he gets in there and this stops working? He just wants to be, you know, agile. That doesn't make any sense. People don't, the type of person that gets into Harvard doesn't just 
get lazy all of a sudden. The type of person that goes to school for or goes into comedy. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, um, it's just so much like um, a conjecture. There's not a lot of fact in here at all. Right. Well, that's why I, I know I'm stupid. So I listen to experts. Like I listen to the, this guy. Know. All right. Well, I'm about to play. I have 10 other clips, Emily. So I'm about to play some hardcore stuff. So I just talked about maybe Bill Gates depopulating, maybe not depopulating. Um, this is Dr. Reiner. So context in this next clip is going to be super self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, let me try to give you context. This guy called Dr. Reiner Fulmish is about to speak, and he um, is a doctor, and he's a board-certified lawyer in both California and Germany. He's very dual language, and uh, he's has lawsuits over the COVID-19 issue. He even is going to try to have a Nuremberg 2.0 over this, because that's how much he thinks that this, this new vaccine is damaging people. This is Dr. Ryan Forge. I, I know there are some people out there who, uh, who may not quite work with actual evidence. Well, it's different with us because we have been speaking to all these scientists and other people over a hundred in the meantime. And this is all this is all replicable. And what's going to happen is it will be replicated because those very same people that testify before our Corona Investigative Committee can just as well testify before the courts of law. They will. We all know now, I mean, we should know, uh, those 10 or 20% of us who still have a brain to use and to think with, uh, this has never been about the virus. This has never been about health. This has always been about uh, taking everything away from us so that we would be dependent on reduction plus gaining complete control over those who are left that is i i wouldn't have said this a year ago a year ago if you had asked me or if somebody had told me this, i would have said hey um you definitely need to see a doctor but no this is what all the evidence all of the people who we interviewed on the corona committee what this points to there's this conclusion is inevitable so do you think that the lockdowns and the measures are appropriate and it's not tyranny, Kevin? <laughs> um, I think, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on the caseload. It depends on where you are. I mean, it's like in Texas, you, you guys don't have any lockdowns right now at all, right? Do you have any restrictions in your life? Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing just fine. So, I mean, <laughs> if people, uh, people want to move around because of that, like I don't, all power to them. I personally, like actually in, in DC, um, the mayor just rolled back the mask mandate for going inside. You don't, you no longer need to wear a mask indoors um, or at least it's not required. And then the like corporation, the, the private company can decide for themselves whether they want to have one or not. I think that's actually kind of a better system because um, you know, it puts it up to the individual corporation or the individual that owns a business or something to make that determination rather than the government. And you know, they can all, determine their own risk factors and people can decide to go into a business or not based on, you know, what they're comfortable with. 
Um, but, you know, it's especially at first and especially like um, in, you know, the summer of 2020 or whatever the height of it was. And a lot of places that did not have any of those restrictions, cases continue to rise, deaths continue to rise. Like Florida is a great example that at their, at the height of their pandemic there, there was no mask mandate. There was no, no mandates of any kind and lots of people died and they're up there. They're like in the top five, I think of total deaths. So, and, and that, and they weren't at first, they actually were doing pretty well uh, at first to all credit, you know, credit where credit is due. But when they did not have mandates, that's when they had a lot of virus going around. Right. Um, so you said cases and cases is interesting because when I look at who invented the PCR test, it was invented by Dr. Kerry Mullis and he won a Nobel prize for the PCR test. And he said on camera that Tony Fauci is the biggest lying piece of shit he's ever met. He dies in 2019, and then all of a sudden the PCR test is what they use for a case. Now, there's I, I just want to be clear about what my knowledge on this subject is, the PCR test, is that the PCR test, it's different than symptoms, right? So if you have a like if you have one gonorrhea cell that they find with the PCR test because they put a swab in your nose and they magnify your DNA. 10 billion times or 70 times. Um, it's kind of like irrelevant. Maybe your blood cells are winning the fight. Your immune system is winning the fight on uh, over one gonorrhea molecule or one gonorrhea virus cell. And instead, you know, so is that a case if you have one, but your immune system is winning? So then I think that this is used to inflate the number of cases. Yeah, I mean, that might be true. I think testing has always been a problem. We don't have good testing. There isn't enough, there still aren't enough tests available, which is crazy. And I think we could also resume normal life a lot faster if we had more testing and more accurate testing. So I agree with you there, but I, I don't agree that most cases are fabricated. I think that most cases are determined by someone's symptoms. They probably, if they get a PCR test and it's positive, they probably also get a blood test which is a pretty accurate way of determining whether you have the virus or not. And even, even somebody like Joe Rogan um, apparently knew that he had COVID, even though he's an uh, incredibly healthy person overall, he was very aware that he had COVID. And I think that's probably most of the time people know that something is wrong with them. And it's not just like, you know, a normal cold or allergies or whatever. They, they know that it's something that they have something more serious than that. Um, I got a, uh antibody test negative is that upside down negative <laughs> negative antibody test i don't have the antibodies although i have engaged in risky behavior all the time problem reaction solution klaus schwab what is the solution he said this the difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing it changes you if you take a genetic editing uh, just as an example, it's you who are changed, and of course, this has a big impact on your identity. And offers certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, when you began to do, when you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worry that you are changing what it means to be human. That's the problem, and uh, I, uh, of course, the new uh, industrial revolution offers us many opportunities. But 
it raises many forward questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology and how the ways it can be deployed uh, you know, that contribute to growth rather than exacerbate unemployment. How will that implement this? It's a big question mark because there is a fear that uh, technology, robots, uh, just to take one. You get productivity from machines. Exactly. And it replaces maybe um, the workforce or jobs faster than we can replace them with new jobs. And not everybody can be a robot polisher and so on. So there will be new jobs. Not everybody can be a robot polisher. You will have your DNA changed from this genetic editing. He's talking about what, CRISPR yeah. technology. What does that have to do with COVID? It has nothing to do with this. It doesn't have to do with mRNA technology? That does not change your DNA one bit. What does it do? Okay, I, I actually, okay, I'm ready for this. So <laughs> an oh. mRNA vaccine is a messenger RNA vaccine. And what it does is when you inject it into a muscle cell or muscle cells, the the you have mRNA in your body at all times. So this is... A messenger RNA is telling your cells to produce a protein that is on the spike of the COVID virus. And so your it's not your DNA, it's your cell is your uh, ribosomes in your cells are producing a, this protein. And then your immune system is activated to fight off that protein, recognize that protein um, in the COVID virus and defend against it. So at no point is your, the only time that your nucleus in your cells are involved is when there is when your nucleus is telling the ribosome to produce the uh, spike protein, but it has literally nothing to do with your nucleus. It has nothing to do with your DNA. Your DNA is not altered. Uh, DNA and RNA are different things. <laughs> and so if I think that that's really what the confusion is mm -hmm. for people, people think that when they hear RNA, it is a precursor to DNA. So I think people think here RNA and they think, oh my God, my DNA is being affected by that. Um, but that's not true. RNA and DNA are totally different things. And there's RNA all around us. RNA is in everything, especially living things. There's plenty of RNA to go around <laughs> and it has nothing to do with your DNA, your genetic code. You're not having your genes altered, your DNA altered. Your DNA has literally nothing to do with it at all. It's not involved at any point. And when I did a ton of research about whether or not to get the vaccine, one thing that I learned that made me feel more comfortable with the vaccine is that it works the same way viruses work. So when you get the actual virus, it is injecting your cell. It's creating the same kind of like factory within your cell to create more virus within your body. So this is just, instead of creating more virus, it's just creating the protein spike. And that's what trains your body to defend itself with antibodies. So to me, I hear like ones and zeros is the precursor to software. So if, if no. DNA is software, ones and zeros is RNA. DNA is DNA is hard coded into your body. Like your DNA does not change. They, like they unless you use CRISPR technology. Unless, well, yeah, and even what even that like we can't change as far as we know. We can't change our DNA after the fact. So your DNA will remain right, the same by like the point that you're cells. born. Right. So, right. 
So uh, also, as far as we know, you know, we only have nuclear energy, but maybe the Tudor Stars Academy have like anti-gravitic stuff. I, I don't know. It just seems like everything's behind security levels, in my opinion. Uh, there's this uh, great podcast. It's called The Higher Side Chats. They have this lady on called Allison McCallum. Wait, so where do we land on this part? <laughs> like, we're just kind of blowing past this. You didn't give any counter response. Right, because I'm stu- I'm a stupid person. <laughs> What's the point of this? <laughs> because this is my research. I'm going to blow it by you, and then you give me your response, and then you know this isn't. I just throw, I'm I not, throw things at you. You respond. <laughs> That's I'm not going to. I'm not going to flip the turkey and discuss. We're just having a talk here. I don't know when you start when Kevin talks about anything. I don't know. He's smarter than me. So I mean, it's like, what do you want me to say? Well, I, I want you to say that you, that, well, if, especially, do you know what the difference between DNA and RNA is? Yes. Okay. But and, what, what I'm wondering about, my big question, and neither of us can answer this, is do they have the, do, can they inject you with something that changes your DNA or no. that? No. Reprograms you to be. No. Every one of your. Passive and happy. Every one of your cells in your body has your DNA in it. So for it, for them to change your DNA, they'd have to go into every single cell in your body and take out the DNA from your nucleus in each cell and replace it. And that's impossible. Well, and Bill Gates was a programmer. He's trying, you know. I mean, it. I, it's not a it's, good one. It's theoretically possible. Yeah, you're saying, now you're saying he was a programmer. No, but he only has his eye on the smart people that can gain a function people to like him because he's such a douchebag. Anyway, can I, I play this next? Can has become like a buzzword? It's just like you, you said, gain a function twice now, and not either either case in reference to COVID or the virus. Well, so I'm alluding to a future clip. I have a lot of clips. Um, this next is uh, Alison McDowell on the Higher Side Chats talking about the World Economic Forum and what they're after. Virology was a very tactical and strategic choice to coerce global systems change tied to this fourth industrial revolution. That virology as a field was chosen with intention to get us onboarded to perpetual pandemics and biosurveillance. I always knew early on in looking at the fourth industrial revolution, looking at what the World Economic Forum was saying, that synthetic biology was a key factor. That's what they're aiming for. This is what I know for sure. The fourth industrial revolution, the fourth Reich, I mean the fourth industrial revolution, what they're after is synthetic biology. A lot of people want that. Like I have personally met somebody in Silicon Valley who told me he was building a robot body (laughs) <laughs> and he was going to transfer his own consciousness into that robot body. Sounds pretty sweet. He wanted to do that. Is okay. that is that circumventing a natural process of death and reconciliation and rebirth? Do you mean reincarnation? Yeah, but like you have to like reconcile for your sins, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, that is a religious point of view right it's a spiritual point of view and there are many people who are not spiritual they believe that what is on this earth is all that there is now and forever and when you die that's it 
you're gone forever. And I think those are the people who are desperately seeking a way to live forever in robot bodies. Yeah. Or by using some, they're, I think they're hoping at this point that one day we'll have you know, nanobots capable of changing every cell in our body to be a robot human hybrid type creature. But that's not just the powers that be controlling everything. That's us humans wanting that to become hybrid AI people, superhumans. I don't think that that's not just like Klaus Schwab deciding this and decreeing it down and doing it in secret. Like people pay good money for this. (laughs) People pay you millions of dollars if you can make them a robot body and transfer their consciousness into it. Why would they keep that a secret? Uh, very, I just, I worry that like if, if someone is a creep and they have too much karma, that they're not going to want to go to the pearly gates. And that's, that would be a motivation to go to a robot. Well, that's not for you to worry about their soul. You know, worry, you can worry about your own soul. I personally would not transfer my consciousness into a robot body, but I'm not going to tell somebody else that they shouldn't do it. I would do it. You would do it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't believe in any afterlife, so I'd rather live forever. I'd be just picking up trash for the for eternity. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> A little <laughs> very codependent. Um you're you but you love humanity. So you, you, you want to clean it up as a robot with a little arm. I don't I don't really well, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about humanity. <laughs> <laughs> you just want all the natural humans to die and then just clean it up clean up the planet yeah for the, for the animals eternity yeah. see that's my point it's the population that's what i was saying but anyway um dr reiner full mission <laughs> i exposed this whole agenda dr reiner full mission um, was speaking about uh non-infectious person uh and he's the lawyer trying to get this lawsuit going the second lie that was important for this whole thing to go down is also his invention. He claimed that there are asymptomatic infections, meaning people who show no symptoms whatsoever, which is normally you're healthy, yeah. uh, they can be infectious. That was important for him to make everyone in the entire world afraid of everyone, no matter how healthy they look. It's ridiculous. And it is totally ridiculous. It makes no sense because what are you going to do? If you, if you don't have any symptoms, are you really going to go see a doctor just because of what this idiot person says? What are you going to do? You're going to go see a doctor. I have something. I, I, I don't know what it is, but can you help me? Please tell me what I'm suffering from. The first question the doctor is going to ask you is, what symptoms do you have? Right. Not. It doesn't make any sense. The good thing is that uh, in the meantime, we have two decisions. There are going to be more. Mm. But we have two decisions by courts of law that say that uh, these uh this person test doesn't do, uh, doesn't even come close to telling you anything about infections. Uh, the first decision is about uh, four, five, six months old, I think. It was a decision by a Portuguese appellate court, uh, which held that uh, these uh, person tests, these PCR tests, can't tell you anything about infection. And the second decision is only two days old. We got it two days ago, I think, or maybe it was yesterday, uh, from a Vienna court. And it, again, holds very clearly that 
he has, cannot tell you anything about infections. Now, the big question is how many more decisions do we need until the uh, class actions for damages are going to pick up real speed? They are pending, but there are going to be more such cases. And we are very optimistic right now because we can see all the mistakes that are being made by the other side that we are close to a tipping point uh, so that this whole thing, um, the, uh, the power structure will be completely different after we reach this uh, tipping point. And then we can get for the colleagues who are working on these uh, 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 class actions for damages, they're going to be able to concentrate on that. Some of them, in particular in the United, in the United States, have some pretty good ideas about mm. how uh, how they how their different legal avenues to go after the pharmaceuticals and the tech industry and maybe the financial industry as well. So what he's saying is problem reaction solution. A case is a positive PCR test to then have contact tracing and all this software uh, development to trace who's the dirty person, but the PCR test is faulty, and so the problem with reacting to the vaccine is faulty. So that's where Dr. Reiner Fulmish is. Is that a class action lawsuit of people trying to sue um, because of lockdowns, damages from lockdowns? Is that what that is? He's, he's going after, he's saying the testing doesn't work. And right, so the are, reaction, the I'm sorry, what? What are the damages? Like, what are they suing for? What, what damage was caused? Yeah, I think uh, business closures and... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, okay, so here's my theory on why you're why you're so staunchly opposed to vaccines and COVID and whatnot. I, you are a stand-up comedian. You had your life dramatically altered because of COVID and because of lockdowns and because of masking and because of limits on in-person gatherings, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that for a lot of people that are in a similar situation where they had their lives uprooted because of COVID in many different ways, they're trying to find scapegoats and people to point the finger at and, and ways to get their energy out from being locked down or being stuck inside for a while, especially extroverts and people that really like to you know communicate with Oh, them. stop. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I, I, I Maybe there's a case to be had that like lockdowns cause damages. Like, I don't, you know, it'd be interesting to see what comes of that. But like, I think a lot of the energy and like uh, anxiousness and like the staunch opposition to having anything, having the government tell you anything is because of these types of people that were stuck inside. They didn't have a way to, you know, make money. They didn't, they weren't able to see their friends. It sucks. It's terrible. And, you know, I, I get it. That's, that's not good. But is it better or worse than dying? And that's, I think, the fundamental question. And it's like, even if you don't think that you're going to die, some of those family and friends that you would have seen might have died. So it's like, it, it might not be about you. It might not be about you and your health. But the people that you might expose, you know, might actually get very sick from it. And like, I, I'm personally worried for myself because I have had asthma. I've had mono. Like, I have some, you know, uh, um, immunodeficiencies. Um, you know, I don't think that I would die from it. I think I'd probably be fine. But my concern more is for the elderly people in my building, the people I work with, the people I see at the grocery store, who knows, you know, lots of people, lots of people could be a lot more sick or a lot more elderly or have heart issues or what have you. Um, 
yeah. or what Gwen was doing tonight. Yeah, yeah, Gwen is wheezing up a storm. You know, both of the both of the kids have respiratory issues and have had in the past. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I would be very worried about both of them. They'd probably ultimately be fine, but you know, they might like it. They might have to go to the hospital. They've been to the hospital for respiratory issues before. Yeah, that's why my worry about the government reaction has been, you know, if you get a vaccine, you get a Krispy Kreme donut once a day for a year. So that's like not the government. That's, <laughs> not the government. That's called Krispy Kreme donut. That's All right, well, so an advertising promotion. So if you get the job, there there was a seasonal flu one Thanksgiving in a poor neighborhood that I was living in. Uh, that said, if you get the seasonal flu, you'll get a turkey. And then they said, if you get the seasonal flu jab, you'll get two free turkeys. And I just feel like this, these incentives are interesting to watch how they react to push this on you. I'm just, I'm more- They were incentivizing you. I'm more in the area of like taking vitamin C, uh, boosting your immune system, like taking personal responsibility on your health and not, you know, eating a donut a day and then getting a jab. That was my big concern with this situation. That's the, the message I was getting from the government. It seemed weird. There should be more of a, of a focus on the health. And there has, like, how many first ladies in a row have been focusing on obesity? Like, it's not like the government isn't, like, thinking about it. I, I know that there's a lot of things that encourage obesity. And, like, you know, it's definitely an issue. But isn't that more of a reason for people to get vaccinated if there are so many people that are unhealthy and obese in this country that that qualifies as a pre-existing condition, like should, wouldn't you think that those people should probably get vaccinated versus, you know, just rolling the dice and being like, oh, I heard Joe Rogan and he just broed his way through COVID so I can do the same thing, you know? It's like, yeah, most people in this country, the majority of people are much more unhealthy than probably all three of us. So it's like, and you and I, to be honest, you and I both have a heart murmur. And that's something that I've worried about too. Like the, it's a cardiovascular disease. Like I think that it really could at least do like some heart damage, if not, you know, worse. So the I grew out of the heart murmur because I had later tests that showed that it went away. So okay. I'll say that I grew out of it. I also have a heart murmur sometimes. It's like it depends on who the doctor is. Who's yeah. testing it? All right. Testing well, I had one guy yeah. early say I had one, and then another guy later say I didn't. Have yeah. One. I've had that happen too, but then later somebody else was like, uh, "Do you?" I was like, sometimes <laughs> we got bad hearts. We got bad genes. It just, it just depends how much stress, I guess, is going on. Um, um, they changed the definition of the vaccine of a what a vaccine is. It used to be you got a, a hair of the dog that bit you, like a little piece of uh, the disease. But in the mRNA scenario, they're changing the definition to incorporate this new technology. And I, I don't think that's jealous losers bitching about shit. I think that's good science. And this is what Dr. Reiner Fulmish said. Um, and here they changed the definition of what a vaccine is by saying, of course, it's a genetic experiment. But since we're injecting it into people, it's not a genetic experiment anymore. It's a vaccine. It's extremely dangerous. I just um, got a press release from Professor Bakhti, who's one of the main players. Uh, in this, he, he's a specialist. Um, uh, he and a, a bunch of other doctors just published a press release today, and it deals with the side effects of these so-called vaccinations, clotting and bleeding after vaccination, 
uh, is the rule. And there, there are uh, many people, not just a few, many people who die, they suffer strokes and aneurysm, et cetera, et cetera. So he's, he's detailing this, even though this is just, I'm going to mail it to you. This is mm -hmm. just a short press release. But it tells you that there's a huge fight going on, particularly here in Europe, also in the United States, about whether or not they can make this mandatory. At this point, they can't. So are there adverse reactions, strokes, aneurysms, heart issues to the mRNA jab? I never went into my vaccination thinking there is zero risk to getting this vaccine. That was never my thought. And I think that anybody who thinks that there's zero risk to any kind of health care is misguided. I don't think that's the correct expectation to have. You have to think there is a risk. But the risk is so incredibly low compared to what the benefit is. And the benefit is you're protected from a virus that is much deadlier than the potential risk is of the vaccine. I got some data I can pull out. Um, so the VAERS system, which is the CDC's own system, they've had, and, and so that's, and but it's- uh, it uh, Uncle Kevin, moment. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Can we get back to, can I, I have to go pee. Can I go pee and I'll hit the sure. and then we'll get back to the bears. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, but first we need to know, did you pee before we started recording too? Or yes, I have a small bladder. I have a weak liberal arts. It's only bladder. been like an hour. I'm concerned. I have to pee sometimes. <laughs> I have to pee a lot too. I water well, I I was at box and I water loaded and now it's kind of coming out because I'm relaxing. We're also we're also discussing how this isn't really much of a debate. It's kind of like a lecture with two hecklers. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you agree? Well, wait. That sounded derogatory. Now that I thought about it, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I was advertised this as a debate of or a vaccine debate of sorts when you called me the other day. Yeah, okay, it's it's a debate, but I do have seven clips, and I'm like <laughs> yeah. completely autistic. Well, we're at seven right now, right? So I have 13, I'm gonna play them in order. So, but it's, whenever you refute me and I say you're smarter than me, I just go, yeah, I don't know no, about you're not Okay, yeah. All right, well, at least we're you at least we established. To, you should admit defeat to each point. <laughs> <laughs> He's just admitting defeat to the whole argument and, and yeah. Okay. No, what, uh, can you tell me about the VAERS reporting for the? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So the various reporting, it's completely open source. So anybody can submit whatever data that they want. There's been 12,000 reported deaths from vaccinations um, through the VAERS system. Uh, the CDC adjusted that to 6,000. I assume because, you know, 6,000 of them were trolls. Um, but let's, let's, even, let's even take the 12,000 for, you know, at face value. And there's been 228.4 million Americans that have been vaccinated. So let's say it's 12,000 out of 228.4 million, that would be 0.006% death rate. Okay, compare that to COVID, where we've had 775,000 deaths, we've had 48 million coronavirus cases, which is a 1.6% death rate. And so even with that higher number, that's still 
like about 250 times more likely to die from COVID than from a, a vaccine. And if you take the CDC adjusted data, it's 500 times more likely to die from COVID than the vaccine. So my question is, are there any hospital incentives or corner incentives financial to write COVID instead of cancer, or to write COVID instead of pneumonia, to write okay. COVID instead of influenza? Has there been any financial incentives to change the corners? Are there financial incentives to write death by COVID vaccine on a death certificate? Probably not. That's why I would say that I would argue that the numbers are pushed down on that number. Okay, well, let's see, like, even if you take that in half, even if it's 250 times, even if it's 125 times, even if it's 75 times more likely, I, even if it was 10 times more likely, I would probably still take the vaccine over getting COVID personally. Everybody's, you know, risk is different, but 500 times more likely to die from COVID seems like a pretty, pretty good odds to me. That's interesting. It's interesting. These, these, it's like free will. What we're getting at is free will. We have to choose our own destiny and make our own health decisions. Well, do you think yeah. no one's dying of COVID? What's interesting to me is I, I was listening to other statistics of other things like influenza, pneumonia. And the, if you look at pneumonia deaths in 2020 and 2021, so far pneumonia deaths of 2021 is like four when the previous day it was like several, like hundreds of thousands. So what I'm wondering is, are they- more than hundreds of thousands because 50,000 people died in 2019 total. Of pneumonia. Of pneumonia. So it's not hundreds of thousands. Okay, 50,000. When that number goes to zero or five people, to me, that's ridiculous. And so when they attribute COVID to pneumonia, is that a novel pneumonia? Like, th this is the devil in the details that I just am like, I don't know. So if 50,000 people of the 725,000 people actually died of pneumonia instead of COVID, that takes down the COVID number to uh, 675,000 people. Listen, I I've known. Uh, so first of all, let me, let me tell you two points of things. So two points of data. Uh, so I'm friends with this guy. He's like a jujitsu coach. He's had several of his students uh, had taken the jab and immediately had strokes or heart attacks and died. That's definitely not true. So then also, I heard that same I have heard that same anecdotal story from Joe Rogan. So is it the same people or is did you hear that on a podcast? And you're no, I heard that directly from probably the same person. And then secondly, um, same person Eddie that Bravo? talked to J Joe Rogan. Yeah. So yeah. then, uh, that's hundred percent not true. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I know like a ton of people who are vaccinated. None of them died. There's four billion people worldwide that have received a coronavirus vaccine. Um, in the U.S., even ages five to eleven, one million children have received vaccines. Um, I think in the. I think it would be. Let me see, 228 million Americans have been vaccinated. And where are the bodies? Yeah, they're, they're being relabeled from pneumonia to corona. 
and they're going out. They to, like scratch out COVID vaccine. They like. Scratch oh, where out are the bodies? Uh, everyone eats. Everyone eats beef every day. Where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? It's like they're they're being factory farmed in a system that's invisible to the modern. They're the bodies of cows. I'm saying the modern consumer doesn't see the deaths of the cows, and just like in the nursing homes and obituaries and coroner's reports, that's all sheltered from us. We don't really see death. Right, okay, but like, do you we think, saw deaths in nursing homes last yeah. year. Every every individual family that has had someone die from COVID, do you, like, do you think that they're making stuff up or that they're you know they're a part of this conspiracy, or they're being um, manipulated to believe their loved one died from COVID and they really didn't? I I just wonder what's going on in the in the medical establishment. That's that's what I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I can't look at individual case and go, you're a fucking liar. You know, it's like. But if you don't know, why are you saying that you know? I'm not saying I know. Like the Capulets and the the Romeo, you know, there's competing families in Germany and it's Dr. Reiner Fulmish and Clive Schwab. Huh? The Montagues. Yeah, the Montagues and the Capulets, you know, Romeo and Juliet, the two rival families. I'm only looking at Reiner Fulmish and Klaus Schwab. And their their ideas of what's happening are hey, so different. Romeo and Juliet then. <laughs> one of them's a Montague, one of them's a Capulet in their family. And their rival family. The families hate each other, but this great love brought them together. From what I understand. This great love. <laughs> what are you talking about? Romeo and Juliet. From what I understand, rival families, they fell in love. Well, that's from what I understand. From what oh, I understand. Because who is Romeo and Juliet, though? <laughs> Bill Gates and Melinda? Romeo and Juliet was about depopulation, Emily. <laughs> Catch up. No. What? Reiner Fulmish and Klaus Schwab. The Schwabs versus the Fulmishes. That's what I see right now. That's what I'm presenting to you. <laughs> I think so, because they're so opposite. Like, their ideas for society are so op- opposite. Maybe some of their offspring are sorry knocking each other's doors you know i don't know hopefully hopefully love will bring us together um rand paul yelled at uh, tony fauci this is clip seven i told you i'm autistic i have clips you know i have to pee sometimes i I just took an online test for autism and i scored seven out of ten (laughs) (laughs) drive me 10 out of 10 yeah, Rand Paul and Fauci yelled at each other in Congress. It was fun. The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan, despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created, and yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeld of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Senator, with all due respect, 
I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain of function is a very nebulous term. We have spent, not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. So what Fauci said was, no, we changed the definition. We semantics our way around what is obvious to everybody is that they were mixing viruses to see which ones were the most deadly, the most contagious. I believe that. I 100% actually believe that this virus was created in a lab. I never believed. I never believed that it came from a bat or a wet market. I never believed it from the beginning. I 100% think it was man-made. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't get a vaccine. <laughs> so so you, you think something man-made came out, it's really fucked up, it's really deadly. Let me get the man-made solution for the man-made problem. Uh, yeah. Because I think that it got out of the lab accidentally. Uncle Kevin, do you think the same thing? Um, I think, yeah, I think it was probably in the lab. I think it probably came from the lab. Um, I think that it was to the detriment of like public knowledge that they, that they really vehemently de denied that at first. I don't really, that, yeah. that's one thing that I can be critical of like the government response. I'm not sure why they were so adamant that it was, that it didn't come from that lab. Yeah. My opinion is that it was probably that they're, you know, the U.S. has scientists, Dr. Fauci is a scientist, they're scientists, they have some like camaraderie there and they've probably, you know, met each other and whatnot. So, you know, um, but like they, they shouldn't have been so adamant that it didn't come from there. Um, I, I do think though that instead of like, I don't know why there's so much focus on like the U.S. Uh, like potentially funding the lab there. Like, I don't understand why there's not more anger at the Chinese Communist Party and like that lab in particular for allowing that to happen. And then the Chinese government covered it up like that. That's, you know, and then we could have been more prepared as a, as a, you know, just like with Ebola, like we had a pretty good idea of like where it was coming from, where it was, it was contained, it didn't spread and it could have. And like, if the Chinese, if the Chinese communist party was more forthright and was more, um, you know, open about what was going on there allowed audits to take place. <laughs> Um, all of that, like we might've had a better understanding of the virus and been able to protect against it sooner. Um, I think like, even if there was more research done about it, we could have, you know, like they went back, like, uh, even the U S went back and forth on masks too, which is another, like, that was another issue. I think at first where they weren't telling people to wear masks when we should have been. And, you know, if we had known that it was a respiratory disease, like how it spread, you know, we could have dealt with it a lot better than we did. Um, so in 2008, there was the Lehman shock and our economy crashed and then, you know, it crashed again. So we were able to kick that can down the road of not paying the Chinese back their money. Like what if we owe China, uh, trillions of dollars, which we do because the U S is perpetually bankrupt and we have to raise the debt ceiling to keep the lights on in Congress. Right. So this is what Dr. Reiner Fulmish said about the coronavirus agenda. Because globalism is what got us here. Uh, we ended up with global um, 
what do you call them? What do you call them? WHO, the uh, World Economic Forum. These are private global organizations which have taken control over the entire world. Private organizations run by the super rich. I think this is, once people understand this, it's, it's not going to be too hard uh, to turn the page. And those are the ones who are responsible for uh, the financial crisis some 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, had we been a little more careful, had we looked a little closer, we would have known that for 30 years, this group of people has been stealing the taxpayers' money all over the world. We should have been a lot more careful. The first financial crisis would have been the perfect chance for us to catch on to what's going on. They managed to tell us that they have everything under control. They did, but they started to print money in order to keep us quiet. We should have been, we should have known that you cannot print money in order to restore what they have stolen. It doesn't make any sense. Well, this time around, in late uh, 2019, I believe, uh, when things were again coming to a head and things were again uh, about to implode, um, they came up with Corona as a di diversionary tactic. And so is Corona a diversionary tactic to stave off bankruptcy from the US to the Chinese? That's not the way that the, I think you should do more research on what the debt to China actually looks like. It's not actually like people think of it as like, we owe a credit card company a certain amount of money. And that's not, that's not what it is at all. It's like, it's basically like we have a deficit, a trade deficit with China. And, you know, we have to pay it back little by little. <laughs> Here comes the parade. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what's up, Vance? What is that backdrop? <laughs> it's my podcast, Highway Diary. It's an alien. Me and him are buddies. All right. <laughs> I think that's what you would look like if you lived to be a thousand years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty close to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wearing a hoodie constantly smell like flaxseed chips from Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, he's like a spiritual homie. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're, sorry, Vince. We're right in the middle of global bankruptcy. Uh, um, so is it, do you worry about this? Like what, if we had to balance the books and then on the line item of a creepy banker was coronavirus operation to divert from this trade deficit. Is that what it said on the line item? <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what Dr. Ryder Fulmish is asserting. Uh-huh. Uh, How do does it make sense that creating a pandemic would help to solve our debt problem with China? Well, we had all this debt problem before World War II, and then we drop nuclear bombs everywhere and we kind of showed like, yo, we're the top dogs in the planet. And then people weren't worried about our debt so much, you know, that happened before. The virus came from China, not from the US. Well, did we fund that lab? I understand Dr. Charles Lieber at Harvard was sending grad students back and forth from a Wuhan lab. Another guy at North Carolina, Chapel Hill. The reason why, um, but the reason why our debt problem was solved after World War II is because our economy was booming. So to put people in lockdown is actually the opposite thing of what we would need in order to save our economy 
and pay back our debt to China. Also, yeah, but not if we sue China for damages. So wouldn't, oh, wouldn't China be involved with this? Well, we would have loved, China, we would love to pay you back. Unfortunately, you gave all of our citizens a virus. And um, so we had to come up with a heroic solution of a vaccine. So, sorry, we'd love to pay you back. It's just that, sorry, we had like a little bit of a global pandemic. But why wouldn't China turn around and point the finger at the U.S. if the U.S. was the one responsible for the vaccine, for the virus? I think that's the push and pull. It's the CCP versus the people. It's George Soros helping the CCP destroy the people. But that's not what's happening. So are you saying that they're going to sue China for (laughs) releasing the virus? I'm saying, what if you go on a world stage and globally debate this trade deficit and then sue them for damages as a line item of what you think the the book should be balanced at, you know? So you're saying they're going to go on a world stage and accuse China of purposely releasing the virus in order to not have to pay back our debt? I think this is happening behind the scenes. Well, that's not a world stage. No, but I'm saying, okay, not world stage. I'm saying, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I think it's a lot of this negotiation. That's what politics is between countries. And I think we may have aided, what if we sent Dr. Charles Lieber out of Harvard, funded by the CIA, to the Wuhan lab to accidentally on purpose release this thing and then blame it on them. But it was really our little mole that went over there and did this. What if some Chinese scientists just fucked up and released a virus by accident that they were studying, which was nobody denies that they were studying coronavirus, coronaviruses in that lab. Nobody denies that. That's that's fact. So why so why is it more believable that it was a global cabal that uh, you know is trying to do something with the economy or whatever <laughs> versus somebody had some virus on their hands, walked out of the lab, went to the wet market and ordered some lunch, uh, spread the virus around and then went back into the lab after. (laughs) But even if you do think that they did it on purpose for some economical reason, like what was the reason? There's no scenario that makes sense to me. They're just saying like, Ooh, we released this, but we're going to blame you, but we're never going to tell the public. So like, what's the point then? Is it the point you would want to tell the public or is it that they're blackmailing them and saying, we'll tell the public if you don't erase our debt? Yeah. I mean, when you owe China multiple times your GDP, you start to sound like a a crack addict in the street. You know, you just start to sound like a desperate idiot clinging on different pieces of lies. You have a, a whole that's apparatus called this. <laughs> I said, that's what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm listening just to two Germans. That's all I'm listening to. You got Why? two Germans here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I would say this to his face if I was in uh, Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, I'm on a little sabbatical right now. Um, I, I, the one guy that I'm, creeps me out, the one case is Dr. Charles Lieber out of Harvard. And um, on the higher side chats, this is clip nine, you know, she said this. Research with Charles Lieber at Harvard, he was 
you know, surfaced early on in this for his involvement in China, but it's really Harvard, you know, that's doing this. And they're doing non-surgical nano neural implants, neural interlaces with these nanotechnologies. So I think Neuralink is meant to distract you and make you shocked, but make you think that you're going to be out of it. If you understand it as a nanotech, nanoelectronic self-assembly, because that's what they're working on at Rice with the Tesla Phoresis is self-assembling nanocarbon nanotubes of graphene. Like there's no way that you can necessarily always know if you've been exposed to these systems or not. So graphene nanorobots going into your brain, changing your behavior, Kevin. <laughs> uh, from what I understand about that particular conspiracy theory, the um, the nanobots that 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 particular scientist was studying are still visible to the naked eye. So it's like maybe in a hundred years, maybe in fifty years, they'll have some kind of nanotechnology that is able to manipulate things in your body. Right now, that is not the case. We do not have the technology for that, and. Uh, I don't understand what the connection between that and like COVID or vaccines. Like it's like it's I, yeah, Charles Lieber. That's the connection. Okay. Well. Well. So. So. Are you saying that there's nanobots in the vaccine, or are you, or is it that uh, the vaccine is dangerous, or is it a global cabal to depopulate the world, or like I just want you to choose one of those three as your reasoning for not wanting the vaccine. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they're, I'm wondering if they're testing different technologies in different zip codes. That's what I wonder about. That's what creeps me out at night. They're testing all kinds of shit at all kinds of universities, like all across the world. Think about but, how expensive that would be, Eric. Like graphene-based nanobot technology in all of our vaccines across the world. You know how expensive carbon nanotubes are? Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. You don't have to... Well, we're not paying China back. What else are we doing with that money? <laughs> we, we got all these TARP bailouts. What else are we doing? People will sign up for these trials for free. Like, you don't have to sneak them in, people. People want the nanobots. You're acting like there's no way nobody else, nobody in the world wants nanobots. That's nuts. No, people want that shit. That's why they're researching it. They're researching because people want the nanobots. What do you know about the nanobots from Silicon Valley, Emily? Do they want I, them in their I brains? I don't about the nanobots in Silicon Valley. People Probably. want that shit. There are people that already put like chips in their wrists or whatever. That Voluntarily. Like, yeah, the, the, of themselves and just they, to open doors and whatnot. <laughs> not just that, but they pay for that shit. Here's what I know about Silicon Valley. They don't give you shit for free. <laughs> they don't just give you shit for free. Why would they do that? They're giving you shit. They're creating stuff that they want you to buy. Or that they can advertise to you through. They're not, and if they give it to you for free, like Facebook, they give you Facebook for free. It's for the purpose of then being advertised to. That's very interesting. Um, they, so how do we, how do we win against this global cabal? Like what's going on? <laughs> Here we go. Just the next thing, you know.
How do they monetize the nanobots, Eric? How are they monetizing the nanobots? I'll tell you this. At first, they put little chips in puppies and kittens. They was cute. Oh, your puppy gets out the yard. We pay for that. I'm, that's what I'm saying. They don't well. do it for free. That's what I'm saying. All right. Let me just show you this. This is my social security card. It costs 50 bucks. This is my social security card. On the back is a red number. Put that on the camera. <laughs> on the red number is on the back, okay? What is that red number? That's for Wall Street speculation. That's for me to be traded on Wall Street. Ba 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 buying and selling my labor. And whoever bought high or low lost trust. Why would what? they need the red numbers? What Why would they just use your social security <laughs> number? Why does it need to be different numbers? That's because that's what it's on. That's what's printed on the Don't freaking show it card. On the camera. How much money have you paid into Social Security, Eric? Ask my accountant. Um, <laughs> he's he's my our old dog buddy. He's now dead. Um, all right, but what I will say is, there's a front number, Social Security card, on the back is a red number. I flashed it real quick. A red number, okay. It's this is for Walt. This is for Wall Street speculation, okay? What if they put an RFID chip in every human and from a distance they would know your credit score? You, we all, we know that, and I know you- They know, already do that. Karma. It's on our phones. <laughs> yeah, but what it's if- It's already you, happening. What I if you're smart? What if you are being chased by the aliens and you wrap your cell phone in tinfoil and you throw it in a lagoon and you keep running so the aliens can- Okay. They have nano, you know, if they have nanobots in your brain, they always have the RFID chip. They've gained a function, the RFID of you. <laughs> there's a some there's an ID in my phone called an IDFA. We carry this around voluntarily. There's also wearable tech like smartwatches and shit like that. And a lot and some people have chips inside their bodies voluntarily. Like, why do they need to do this in a sneaky way? We're doing it. We're paying for it. Especially for credit scores. Like every every corporation can look up your credit score, no problem. Also, if you threw your phone in a lake and ran away, you'd still have a credit score, whether you like it or not. You'd still have a social security number. And there's satellites tracking you all the time. So if even if even if let's say that you were able to get rid of your phone and everything. You don't think that they can still track you via satellites and drones? Yeah, but they have to pay more money. It can just be blockchained on the cloud. And they but can injecting an RFID no, chip no. is cheap. That's free. Yeah, yeah we, no, don't, we can inject everybody with, with nanobots, and that doesn't cost anything. <laughs> tracking you via satellites and drones is way cheaper. Because, way cheaper. <laughs> way cheaper, because they only have to do it if you're the one person out of a billion running away from them into the woods for some reason. I have a drone. It was 60 bucks. I have a drone, too. I have five <laughs> drones, actually. <laughs> Pretty and cheap. Guns. <laughs> I know. By the way, Kevin, you can fly your drone like a freaking <laughs> expert. I, I, he gave me the controls and his drone immediately started just plummeting. And I go, dude, take it back. And then he was doing barrel rolls. I couldn't believe how good about it. <laughs> so Eric, could, I mean, Kevin could definitely track you if you were running away from him into the woods <laughs> and you threw your phone into a lake like a fool. 
He could definitely track you down with <laughs> his drone. I'd be barrel rolling behind you. <laughs> yeah. But that's an individual person that has to individually uh, track somebody. What I'm saying is it's much more passive aggressive if everyone has the RFID ejectable. It's more, they, they, they can passively collect all this information. Yeah, not everyone. Sometimes they don't bring those around. Everyone brings them around at least like statistically relevant amount of people do probably like 98 percent of people have smartphones now i guess mm-hmm. it doesn't look like you guys are fighting the system i'm fighting the system how do you fight the system let's see your iphone eric <laughs> yeah you're you don't carry an iphone around i do okay oh, interesting the system sometimes <laughs> why isn't it in the lake and why aren't you off grid in the woods because the aliens aren't actively chasing me in that case i would or the cia whoever is it the aliens or is it the cia or who's chasing you eric it depends. who's chasing you i got a lot of enemies could be him. like you, you talk so much truth to power that i'm surprised they haven't just capped you by now you know if they were tracking you that easily you'd think that they'd just take you out no problem <laughs> Is it because all the all of this knowledge that you have from the open internet <laughs> that makes you such a viable threat? No, <laughs> oh, my independent research has. <laughs> um, I'm scared of the oligarchy, and I and I I wonder how to fight them. We have to come at this from a place of global solidarity, and that is well said. But it scares me, Allison. I can't even get five of my closest friends to take these concerns seriously. Despite the checkered history, people trust this system. How can we ever hope to move more people towards global solidarity? I think you just have to tell the better story. It's about controlling the narrative. If you understand nanotechnology, the power of nanotechnology is that it's so small, it has a disproportionate impact. Like that's why it can be so toxic because at that scale, even tiny scales matter. You can be exposed to symptoms, uh, systems that you don't understand. Like maybe you're like, maybe the counter de- uh, debate that you guys are having of your own free will are just nanobots talking through you guys. Look, you guys, you know, you're infected with nanobots. I can't even talk to you guys anymore. You know, you just have nanobots in your brain. Maybe, I don't know. It sounds like social media is already kind of doing that. The internet is already doing that. It's getting into your brain. It's convincing you of things that aren't true. Yeah, there's a different kind of bot that's on the internet and it's called a chat bot. And it's <laughs> in all the comments, it's creating content on the internet. <laughs> It is pervasively swaying public opinion in a very subversive way to put out these ideas. And it's not that I totally trust the system either. Like, I believe in 9-11 truth. I worked for Richard Gere in in a volunteer capacity, and I worked on the Architects and Engineers website, um, just, you know, doing Google Analytics stuff. But I don't blindly believe everything that I'm told either, but I do look at things with a a critical eye and I think what makes sense in this situation? What is the most likely cause of this? What is the most likely thing that's happening right now? 
based on all of the information that I've seen in this scenario, and also the world history of pandemics, it's not a modern phenomenon. It's been happening throughout human history. And it's been extremely deadly. And the reason why this one wasn't as deadly is because we did locked. I agree with you, like lockdown for as long as it went on was probably overkill. And what we should have been doing is 100% masking mandates like they do in Asia. That stops the transmission of pandemics in a very effective way where you don't need lockdown. So, but we didn't really, like, you You also can't expect Americans or anybody, we're all just human, everybody's just humans and not perfect. And so I think that lockdowns were overkill. I think that now we realize that we've gotten everything pretty much open again, but I think masking is important and vaccines are important. It's just, what is what is true, I think, in this particular circumstance is that there really is a pandemic and the vaccines really do work and also masking works. And also sunshine. And when you look at Texas and Florida being the big um, put people that push back, look how much sunshine they get. And vitamin D raises your immune system. So I wonder if that's an aspect. I think it's that we're in the colder climates forced indoors more Mm -hmm. and there's more indoor activity. You're in closer quarters with people. And if you take that mask off, then you get infected with the virus. If the same population that is in Florida was in Maine, there would be no state left, in my opinion. (laughs) You think good in Florida is not good for Maine because of the circumstances? Well, just... Well, because I mean, how many people there, Florida had a lot of deaths anyway. Yeah, it has a lot of sunshine and yeah, they can be outside more often. But if if that same population of people that live in Florida, primarily older people uh, lived in Maine and were forced inside and lived in a nursing home, they would have been wiped out completely. <laughs> it, it does benefit them that they're outside and they have open air and there, you know, there's certain situational factors that make it, you know, better, but yeah, they like they they lucked out that it wasn't way worse than it was, even if even considering how bad it was. Open air, air circulation. I have a certain contempt from the mainstream news when they run a story like this. Can your air conditioner spread COVID-19? You have to accept and realize that air conditioning systems have the potential to move the virus around and learn to learn identical. They run this, these things about air conditioners shooting COVID everywhere. And there's an air, there's a giant face mask in the front of every air conditioner. It's called an air filter. And so, you know, you wear a face mask or your air conditioner has multiple levels of air filters. And they, they play on the news. Oh, well, you know, air conditioners are shooting COVID everywhere. You're Be not listening to that correctly. Huh? There- like you're not hearing that correctly. Like if there's a person at Starbucks sitting in front of an air conditioner unit, the air conditioner unit is blowing past their face when they're coughing and they're, it's blowing it toward the rest of the Starbucks restaurant where there's 50 other people that get infected. 
this is a real thing that happened. That's what this, that news clip that you played, the story behind it, I remember it. It was about a Starbucks and all of the restaurant people were infected with COVID except for one or three, whoever was the baristas because they were wearing masks. It's not about it goes through and it's filtered. It's somebody's in front of it and it's blowing air at the rest of the restaurant. That's what that was about. But it could be the wind. So, yeah, so but the they were inside. inside. But they also uh, are asking questions about deer hunting. In Iowa, those deer were being tested for chronic wasting disease, but they were also checked for COVID-19. Matter of fact, 8% of them had the virus. The head of hunting scene, WAT 600's out of where Christy Crawford looks into whether there is a real concern of transmission. The possibility of the deer he hunts having COVID-19 doesn't worry him. Not really. Um, you know, we try to take uh, as many precautions as we, whether whether COVID is an issue or not, we always wear rubber gloves, wash our hands, wash our tools uh, when we harvest an animal. Deer having COVID-19 isn't out of the question. Two studies show deer in four states had COVID-19. He washes his hands, he washes his gloves. My point is, I think that deer hunting is probably the best nutrition you can get as opposed to a grocery store. So what they're trying to say is like, stay inside, get your groceries delivered, you know, don't, you know, don't hunt, you know, don't have that food source, stay in the system, pay your taxes. That's what I hear when I have a news story coming. So there's never been a news story about packaged food in the grocery also having COVID-19 on it? Because I have heard frozen foods having COVID-19 on it. They're just reporting the news, Eric. Not everything is like a conspiracy. There were uh, lions in the National Zoo that got COVID and yeah. they reported on that. <laughs> yeah, but do they report when they're malnourished because there's a very wealthy but stingy uh, circus? I just, I've, I've been watching Tiger King. Tiger King? King. <laughs> Tiger King. And I they did report on that as well. All right. There's a whole documentary series about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're referencing. Just can we just can I ask you guys this question? Because I, I will or will not respect your opinion after. Did Carol Baskin feed her second line? <laughs> yes or no? Emily. No, they found him in Costa Rica. What season? Huh? What season? Season two. God damn it. Oh, did that just come out? Well, actually, they didn't find him in Costa Rica during season two, but one of the documents um, was from like that they showed in that show was from. I read something about it afterwards, and Carol Baskin's lawyer was pointing out that in that show, one of the documents that was viewed is like something from the FBI that had a date on it that was like in the 2000s about that it was a still an open investigation and they were investigating in Costa Rica and that proved that it was still ongoing and that he was alive somehow. I forget. Uh, I okay, Kevin, did you ask him feed his second husband to a lion? Well, with the added information now, I don't know. I was initially leaning towards yes probably but this uh, poor woman this is like 
Can you just like for a moment imagine that he's definitely alive in Costa Rica and he's banging 15 year old girls <laughs> and like this poor woman has had to endure so much Carol accusations and like death <laughs> Yeah, like I saw the music video Joe Exotic put out. How awful is that if he really is alive? Her whole life has been tortured because this douchebag went to Costa Rica to bang underage girls. Is that what happened? Where, where's yeah. the rich girls coming from? That yeah. You gotta finish season two. All right, I gotta see season two. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yep. Um. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. To, I mean, any fi- any final thoughts? I'm out of questions. I'm out of sound bites. Right. So are you gonna get vaccinated? So you can come to Thanksgiving next year. Hey, CBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. <laughs> Save yourself 20% off your order with code name Eric. You know, there's all kinds of different uh, terpenes out there. There's different uh, kinds of ACBD Remedy. You know what I do every night? I take, I use pain and inflammation on my knees and I take a little dropper under my tongue and I rub it on my knees because I'm an old man, you know? Talk about black manly. <laughs> See, don't this, push it this is, this is the media influencing this podcast because <laughs> i'm a sponsor <laughs> you're a what <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> so there's all sorts of different kinds of <laughs> that have different effects depending on the terpene blend you know so find one that's good for you what are terpenes, Eric? Um, <laughs> Eric for 20% off, E-R-I-C. What are terpenes? You know, there are different botanicals that are held within different CBD strains. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like- the smell and taste molecules of the plant world. And they have different effects on the body, huh? Like essential oils. Like how, I don't know. It's almost midnight here. And I was up at five in the morning. <laughs> um, all right. Any final thoughts from our beautiful siblings who I love very, very much? <laughs> we love you too. That's why we want you to be healthy. Yeah. We miss you. We wish that you were vaccinated and here at Thanksgiving with us. I wish I was there too. I wish I had the antibodies. Again, blood was spilled. Blood was spilled for me to come to Thanksgiving. I you know it's a good way to get antibodies without having to get COVID. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this. It's this new technology. It's called mRNA vaccines. <laughs> it's called CRISPR. Oh, I mean mRNA. Nanobots. <laughs> <laughs> My DNA and put nanobots in my brain. Put yeah. it on it. <laughs> run away from the aliens. So you just like slip sometimes. You know what I mean? So, all right. Let's agree to disagree. Um, I love you very much. Let's stop recording.